Welcome everybody, episode 32, Tour Pass Podcast. Um, I'm here. Know, we, we talk, Matt's here. We talk about this a lot, but hopefully you're listening to this and uh, there's new president. Um, but who fucking knows? Yeah. But uh, how, how are you, Matt? Uh, I'm doing quite well. Um, what our socials be, though? Um, our socials, you can get us on Instagram or Twitter at, at Tour Pass Podcast, or if you want to email us, tourpasspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you have the Anchor app, you can send us a voice message. Yeah. We got a great interview with my buddy, J.T. Habersat, comedian, uh, po- fellow podcaster, author, label running guy. He, he makes toys now, I just found out, you know. So I think we should just jump into that unless there's something you want to you wanna get in on. Um, for any of the people that listen to this that also yeah. uh, are wrestling fans like me, R.I.P. Tracy's Mothers. And, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. All I re- that's all I really got. I felt like um, felt like there's something more I wanted to add to this. But, you know, whatever. I don't think I have it. Right on. All right. Well, you know. But, yeah. The, let's uh, let's cut Shall the we? interview because I thought that was really funny. I'm actually going to listen to one of his comedy recordings right now because it seems like I'll laugh a lot. Yeah, he's a good fucking dude, good fucking comment, comic, but uh, words. <laughs> All right, here it is. And we got JT Habersat, my good friend. How you doing, bud? Good, man. Good to hear from you. You too. I don't think you've met Harmon at all or Matt. No, I don't think so. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. Good to have you on. Thanks for doing this. No, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Um. Yeah, man. Fucking... What, what, how's how's life in this covid world <laughs> oh man I, you know do you want the honest answer or do you want the answer that i'm supposed to give <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever you would like uh you know shitty like everybody um real real tough um uh, but been doing my best to kind of what's the cliche term pivot and uh mm-hmm. you know just trying to keep my head above water and uh uh, you know, fuck, man. It's it's almost the end of the year now, so uh, I'm hoping the next year, like everybody, uh, maybe by spring there's some signs of old life. But yeah, just doing the best I can. Fucking right. Um, this is gonna be the uh, well. You know, they were releasing on we release on Wednesdays, so we might have a new president. Um, what's, <laughs> what's, the JT, what's the JT prediction as a, as a Texan? Um, my prediction is. November is going to be a real nightmare. Um, I think no matter what, I, no matter what I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic given the early numbers of people voting. Cause we've been breaking records here is like, I think that the early voting has already outdone the uh, total 2016 voting for Texas already. So that, that I think is a good sign in some ways and I'm cautiously optimistic, but I, I also think um no matter what the results are, I think Trump's going to fight it until he's pulled out of there at the end of January. It's, oh, for sure. It's, yeah, you it's know? definitely going to be a nightmare, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's it's real disheartening in a lot of ways. But I have a glimmer of optimism that he's he might. I think he might lose. 
Um, yeah. I, th- I think he's definitely going to lose the popular vote again, but uh, the stupid electoral college has me concerned. Of course. Um, of course. You know, all <laughs> the same, you know, I, I, but also, man, I, I, you know, I, was I surprised when he won last time? Yes. But also I had a lot of scorn for the DNC pushing Hillary on people. Cause I thought she was a bad candidate and Absolutely. Had yeah, nothing, nothing to do with her gender. I just thought she was a, a, an unlikable person. And I, you know, I held my nose and I, uh, I pulled, pulled the lever, but, um, you know, again, I, I'm, I don't. I haven't met anyone who's excited over Biden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um. I think. I think Harris is good. I like her as a vice president. But um. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I like everybody. It, there's so many. If it was just a a air quotes normal election, without the nightmare monster we have behind there, just like you know, he's going to do everything he can to to derail democracy. So, um, mm-hmm. you already see it in terms of the dissuading of voting and all the different polling place closes and all the different shit that they're pulling. So it's, uh, I, I, I think <laughs> I'm battening down the hatches for November, man. I, I'm just like, uh, I went grocery shopping today and <laughs> not leaving I'm, the house. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of those, like, we're going to run out of water guys, but I, I I'm like, I don't want to go out into society for at least a week. You know, I think that's, it's going to be a real shit show. That's a smart move. I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just mental health wise too, you know, because everybody is going to, you know, if he does lose by a large margin, which is the best case scenario, uh, where it's it's kind of, uh, you know, he's going to throw lawyers at it no matter what. But if it's an undeniable win, then his his monster troglodytes are going to go nuts, you know, and uh, like they already are as far as blocking cars in the street and all that sort of shit. And Mm -hmm. if he loses, I mean, I'm sorry, if he wins what does that say about this place that we all live in? And what does that say about a, a lot of people that reside in this country? I, I don't know about you, but like at the last four years, I felt such a disconnect um, with fellow Americans in terms of, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what that means. And yeah. uh, uh, it granted right now, there feels like a good groundswell of people who are fed up with this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if it, if it, I, I hearken back too to like you know, there were candidates that that made a noise and their careers were over over over. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, what's his name who went like yeah, well, uh, something Dean Howard yeah, Dean maybe Howard Dean. yeah yeah. Like, you that? Yeah, he made yeah. this like weird karate noise out of excitement, and he was done. They were like, "That's goofy." <laughs> you can't have that. You, you, you Jim Carrey motherfucker, you're out of here. I totally and, forgot about that. Yeah, because it's forgettable. And now we literally have a president who organized a tear gassing to walk across the street to a church to, to take a picture with a book you can't read. To hold a book, exactly, to like, and to kick <laughs> the priest out. And it's like, what level of fucking the Omen 5 are we in? <laughs> Where this is still, it, it's bananas to me. It's the upside down world. Because any one of these things, any one of these millions of things, you remember when he fucking fed McDonald's to everybody at the White House? <laughs> like, that should have been it. That should have been it. And it's, you know, it's all these things are forgettable because every day is a new horror. And it goes from, you know, something as absurd as like, you know, remember fucking last year, the Christmas display they had that looked like it was out of The Shining? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had like dark That's shadows, bad. Christmas trees and shit. It's like, all right, this like Gomez Adams shit is so funny and off brand and terrible that it should just be the court of public opinion should be like, you're done. You're fucking out of here. <laughs> but it takes, you know, we still have 
kids in cages and people being thrown protesters being thrown into unmarked vans and stuff. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's real on some levels, it's cartoon villain. And on the other levels, it's real threats of fascism. That is just like, if, if people don't see the warning bells going off for this stuff, then what does it take? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a real slap in the face too, as far as, I don't want to, I don't want to hog all the time here yelling about this fucking guy, but, <laughs> but, but it is, you know, election day tomorrow. So, but it, um, the fact that a lot of people who were in prison during world war two and the Holocaust and all that are not no longer around. And I think that's really showing right now in terms of, you know, this is exactly how Hitler rose to power. It's demonizing mm-hmm. the media and, you know, uh, minimizing the other and having that xenophobic fear of the other and all this sort of shit and, and coasting on economic things. It was exact. It's like blueprint. And you know, that is how fascism works. You know, you, you, you fucking make thing people to the point where they only believe what you say, not what their eyes or ears are telling them. And you can Mm. see that now, you know, people say, Oh, the Trumpers are in a cult. I said, no, they're not. It's just propaganda works. And that's why it's effective in a certain way. You know, you think about, world war ii and like oh my god all the nazis like that's how did so many people were evil and it's like a lot of people are just not bright and they fall under the sway of the the mass you know and it's like i mean we're not at the point where it's like join us or you get shot which i'm sure a lot of that shit was happening during nazi germany but also it's man it's it's not hyperbole i think right now like in Reagan years, people would be like, oh, he's a fascist. It's like, well, no, he, you know. That was, I, the, cute, that was the cute kind of fascist. Well, that was Americanized, you know, that was imperialism. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I fucking hated George W. Bush. I, I remember, you know, going to those Rock Against Bush shows and all that shit. I fucking hated that guy. And now <laughs> it seems like a dream. You know, I mean, it's because as, as, e- as evil as his administration was, and he was just a doofus, rich kid. But as evil as his administration was, at least they were Americanized evil that I could understand. You know, they were after mm-hmm. oil and they were after imperialistic goals and they were after money and all those fucking things and Halliburton money and all that stuff. So I understood their goals. This right now feels like fascism and and chaos for the sense of chaos. And, you know, the chaos feeds the, the, the propaganda and the fascism. So it's, it's really this is the most dangerous I've ever felt living in this country. And, right. you know, I. I went to uh, Europe last year in the fall and I was in Prague and I was in a taxi cab and the woman driver was like, you know, how did this guy get elected? She's like, cause you know, every American that we see over here now who we drive around, they're all like horrified by Trump and they're all like, I I don't know. And I said, "I I have the answer easily. And she's like, well, what is it? I'm like, everyone that you're talking to are people that travel and have broad minds. (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean the people that elected him don't fucking go to canada much less europe you know what i'm saying over or fucking you know the neighborhood where there's too many people that don't look like them well exactly and it's you know there's a degree maybe it's because i grew up in new york and by that i mean new york state but i was in new york city every other weekend you know and the two things you learn being in new york city a lot much like new orleans or any sort of real city is that a you watch over your back and you fucking put your city mouse ears and eyes on and you're aware right you're oh, yeah. aware of your surroundings <clears throat> you're not a mark and that's just street smarts that you get and the other thing is you are forced to co-mingle with many different cultures some of them may not be to your liking some of them may be really to your liking you know 
mm-hmm. in terms of food or music or any of those things, but you're forced to interact with people and you're forced to get a worldview. You know, a lot of these people that I think are Trump people are, you know, <laughs> like I can't fucking relate to somebody who's mad that they're a coal miner and their job's going away. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. like cool, you know, I'm sorry that you didn't leave your hometown and you just took to that fucking, I'm going to get black lung and uh, outlast the canary. You know, <laughs> <laughs> my empathy for that person is minimal. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you look like the old Mountain Dew guy, but, fu- yeah. you know, maybe fu- it, it pays well and my grandpappy did it. Yeah, well, your grandpappy died at 45. And, you know, <laughs> part, part of that was from the racist <laughs> ulcer that he had in his stomach. And the other part was probably from knocking his shoulder out of whack, hitting your aunt. So it, it's the type of thing. <laughs> Hey, you invited me on. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it, dude. But it's it's the type of thing. It's like you, you know, right now, dude. I, I know Dante does tour managing. You know, I'm a full time comic, and and it's right now. Everybody's like, oh well, you know, everybody's got to pivot. It's like motherfuckers. If you're a coal miner, pivot. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying go back to school or some pull yourself up by your bootstraps ridiculousness because these are people that are not everyone's for college. I get that. And there's often been times in this life where I was like, I wish I learned to trade. You know, I have friends that are like went back to school for welding and shit and they're doing very well. And it's, it's, there's something great about that. You know, my, my dad was a carpenter. I grew up doing construction, working with your hands and stuff. Um, But I mean, the concept of like, somebody saved this industry, it's gone. It's not coming back. And so, you know, get a factory job, fucking move somewhere else where you might have to meet other people than whoever you see at Thanksgiving. And so the, the, the having a larger worldview, um, it, it's important, man. And the, are there cities that I dislike? Absolutely. Are there, <laughs> there types of... Which ones of- are they in order? <laughs> <laughs> I dislike Little Rock very much. Um, although Fair. what's strange... Yeah, I, I just don't like Little Rock at all. Um, I, I don't like it. And I, the last time I went there, I said was the last time I was going to go there. And it doesn't mean I don't have friends who live there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean there's other parts of Arkansas that I don't have great shows in. I mean, I go to Fayetteville all the time. I go to Hot Springs all the time. You know, there's still Arkansas. And Arkansas mm. is a be- beautiful state. Um, but for whatever reason, Little Rock, I just don't dig. Um, Mobile, Alabama. Never has yeah. it. It's never worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's three I, hours for me. And like, it, 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 we were always like, yeah, let's go try to find a show in Mobile. Dude, we got that far. It's like it's a it's impossible. Yeah, we do the uh, is it the blind mule or the something donkey? I forget the name of the place, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, the that suicidal donkey, but whatever it's called. But they they're always super nice to us and they treat us great and they're so excited we're there. But boy, do the shows not fun. And so, um, sorry to but, derail you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I mean, but I, honestly, though, most cities I, I generally like more than others. Um, some, some, <laughs> and you know, that worldview though, is just like, well, you know, this place isn't for me. And that's how you learn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, totally. not that everyone needs to travel as much as, you know, a, a tour manager or a comic or a band musician needs to, because it's kind of a, uh, uh, a charmed life in that regard. I mean, that's part of the thing I think that attracts certain people to doing these jobs, um, is right. the, the travel and the, the variety of day to day. But uh, yeah, man, I think a lot of people's worldview just really, 
you know, I go back to New York now and I see the same motherfuckers sitting on the same bar stool. I've been gone 15 years living in Austin. And it's just like, dude, life is short. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I'm from like, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio and like the part of town I'm in oh, is right like on. the west side. And like, I see like some of the stuff from some of my friends or people I know that are back there and it's all yeah. just very like small minded. And it's all people who it's like, you know, we're going on vacation to like Dollywood, you know, like that's their like big vacation or just wherever in Florida. And they just don't know anything. There's nothing wrong with Dollywood. Dollywood's awesome. Dolly Parton's awesome. She's part of Antifa. I'm thinking of somewhere else that's more basic, but I'm blanking on it. I've been wanting to go to Dollywood for a while. She's part of Antifa. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, what's crazy, though, too, is like just saying that sentence, though, to people that are hearing this that may be in that city. And like, yeah, I go to fucking Dollywood or I go to, you know, my, I go to the Grand Ole Opry for vacation. It, it sounds almost elitist to say that, right? And like taking it as a blanket state. I totally agree with you, by the way. But like it, it, they hear that, they instantly get like, well, fuck you, city guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Because <laughs> um, you, you have to have, I think, that desire to want to explore. And a lot of people in this country don't. Um, and the fact that, uh, you know, Dante, I don't want to keep, referring to Dante and I as it, uh, I don't know what you guys do living wise aside from the podcast and stuff, but um, the fact that, you know, Dante and I interact a lot with other like-minded people that are in the touring world or work at venues that deal with people coming through all those, you know, creative outlets back in 2019. Um, <laughs> it's the type of thing that you can, it can easily have your worldview be, well, that's the world. And it's really not. I always tell my friends, I say, go to the mall, anywhere, city, you know, more rural area, anywhere, go to the mall and sit in the food court and just eat and watch the people around you for an hour. Just observe, you know, just listen to conversations, just watch how people interact with their kids, just watch. And that is what most of the country is. (laughs) And that's not, and you get good and bad with that. You can, you know, I've heard fascinating conversations doing that. Eavesdropping like a creep. Uh, (laughs) But, but I've also seen, (laughs) you know, a lot of just, basic i don't want to say dumb but just like people that are very comfortable and very satisfied with basic you know what i mean and and that's cool you know maybe maybe you know you know if everybody strove to do all the the crazy shit that you know we're we're out there doing or artistic stuff then it would be flooded and it wouldn't be as uh i don't want to say unique or special because that that's a weird connotation but like it wouldn't be as left of center i guess right yeah. yeah. No, some and, people just have no interest in going to like different places. Yeah, and that's fine. But I mm-hmm. think ultimately that's what led to Trump getting in the first time, largely, in addition to the DNC being fucking totally tone deaf. Yeah. And um and you know, I, I don't know how much of that has changed in the last four years. I think if anything, people have gotten more worried about the other and more like, well, I'm not getting off my fucking you know, NASCAR towel. Cause <laughs> Roy knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Roy and Roy grunts. And you know, that's that. So I don't know. I, I, I wish I could say I'm optimistic. I will say I have a cautious glimmer of hope. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I feel like the people that are anti him are very motivated. So hopefully that accounts for something, but I know they're going to do everything they can to fucking yeah. steal, try and steal it. And I really think, January 20, whatever the fuck, they're going to pull him out by the legs. Well, and, you know, 
you know, it's like you were saying, the the turnout's bigger than it ever was, and I think that's a big thing. They're talking about Texas flipping to blue, and yeah, that, that's a crazy thing. And uh, my my biggest thing that's keeping me hopeful is uh, Zach Quinn from Pairs. Like, just he just knew Trump was going to get elected, mm-hmm. and it's very right. And this time he's saying, "No, he's fucked. It's going to be Biden." So yeah, well, I would trust <laughs> him, man. He's got a, he's got a sixth sense, as we know. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I I mean, I can heart because I live you know twenty minutes outside of Austin, so I am in a little bit more rural. I live in a, a little more small town because I like trees and prairie and shit. And there are a lot of Biden signs out here. So that's been heartening. I've, I've seen way more than uh, I would expect to see out here because it is, you know, outside of the downtown area. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. And, and also, I think those large numbers say more about people being fed up with it and wanting him the fuck out than it says about his base being energized. So hopefully, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, last I heard right before we started doing this, it was 96 million people have already voted. And I think yeah. I had read that there was a, there's like 157 million registered voters. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And also for as much as <laughs> my last special I recorded in uh, 2016, I was supposed to record a new one this year, but womp womp. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I was actually going to record in Gainesville uh, at Lucy's, but uh, here nor there. Um, my special 2016, I shit on millennials for like a good 10 minutes. Um, uh, and I still stand by that material, although I've softened a bit since then. Um, but I have been very impressed with the youth in terms of their getting it out for this shit. And I really think, uh, what they're doing now, I have a little bit of buyer's remorse in terms of, I, I wish I wasn't so mean to them four years ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't know if it's a matter of me getting older and softer or me just being impressed with what they've been doing in the four years since then. Um, yeah. I would never go back and erase anything, but, but uh, I, I think the youth movement is pissed off at uh, the boomers and are determined to fucking uh, show them what's what. So that's heartening as well. I think the youth uh, vote is going to be very strong. And welcome back. That uh, wraps up our edition of Tour Pass Podcast and JT's um, post-election uh, <laughs> debate. <laughs> Man, what a fucking nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Going back to the, um, uh, you know, so yeah, for those of you who don't know JT Habersat, my good friend, we he uh, he's a comedian. He has his own podcast. You're still doing that, correct? Right. Yeah. I am, yeah. The theroadpodcast.com, although I've been doing a, a talk show called The Road Live during quarantine. So that's been gotcha. my main thing, which is a, like a live stream video interview thing. Yeah. Mm. As well as you have a couple you have a couple books? One book, two books? Uh two books. The yeah. Altercation Archives, which is interviews with uh bands and such, and uh Killing for a Living, which is like my version of Get in the Van. It's like four years of uh uh, two years actually of comedy tour journals and stuff. Of, yeah, uh, crisscrossing the nation and uh, playing places like awesome. Little, Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> Other places too. Yeah. Callback and also uh, co-owner of Alteration Records. Yeah, I have a label partner named Travis Myers out of New York, and uh, we have bands on there, uh, including the Hub City Stompers and Heels out of Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, a bunch more. So yeah. You got you got a resume. It's awesome. It's Thanks, man. You've done some things. How, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did it all start? If that, if like I can ask that as broadly as possible. Um. Well, I guess. Well, I started in college radio, and that was kind of led to me promoting shows, and so that was kind of the intro. You know, coming out, out as a a teenage punk kid that used to go to CBGBs and stuff every other weekend. Um. And so, 
you know, the, the short, long answer is I did commercial FM radio for a while right out of college and started a magazine with my wife called Altercation Magazine, which became internationally distributed. And we ran that for about a decade. And so through doing that and doing radio, I met a lot of rock and roll people and promoting shows and stuff. And I moved to Austin, Texas in 2005. And, you know, I played in some bands and shit uh, before we moved. And I got to Austin. I was just like, I I didn't want to, I wanted to be anonymous for a while. You know, I didn't want to know anybody. We didn't have any friends here. She got a good job offer. Basically we just up and left New York. And um, I slowly, after about two years, got into wanting to try stand-up comedy because I've always been a fan of that stuff, but I, I wanted to, I guess commingle my background in punk rock and promoting and that world with comedy. Cause that was the comedy that always spoke to me the most, you know, Bill Hicks and George Carlin and those cats. Mm-hmm. And also at the time, things like the comedians of comedy with Pat Oswalt and Brian Pazain was happening. Yeah. And, uh, and so I started doing shit around Austin and people responded to it. And I, I kind of bypassed the comedy club circuit and started doing rock clubs and just kind of booking my own shows. And, um, after a while, people like Jeannie Garofalo or Posein or main main guy that uh, connected with me was Doug Stanhope. They'd come to town, they'd come to Austin and say, who's doing weird shit? You know, they ask around, they say, oh, JT is. And so uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they got, had me open and that tended to go well. And so I made good connections through those guys and gals. And uh, it just kind of spiraled from there, man. I, just, I was running this thing, the Altercation Punk Rock Comedy Tour, which was... You know, we were the first comics ever booked on Fest back in 2009, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would only do rock clubs. And it was kind of like this rotating comedians of comedy vibe with me, plus three or four other comics that were all very talented, but all underground and not real known. You know, so we had a lot of, you know, eat shit as far as money and all, the, you know, those early, that early tour story that everybody has that does this. Uh, just about the first few years, real tough grinding it out. You know, it's five bucks at the door for you and five other people, and it's, <laughs> you know, I don't have to tell you guys how it goes, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, long story short, basically, uh, in 2012, I was doing a show at South by Southwest and got signed to Stand Up Records from that, which is a Grammy-winning comedy label out of Minneapolis, and they had put out stuff by like David Cross and. Uh, Pat Oswalt and Stanhope and Maria Banford and all these people. Right on. So that was really cool. And uh, so I worked with them for a bunch of records and, you know, just like anything, man, I just keep doing the circuit and kind of build it up organically. Um, and I left my last desk job in 2014 and have been doing, you know, comedy is my main gig ever since. So, um, and before this, like I said, I just, <laughs> I just signed to uh 800 pound gorilla which is a water music group division and i was supposed to record my new special for them in april but uh we'll see when that happens now but but yeah i'm under contract with them so that's cool um there's some optimism there for next year i guess but uh uh yeah and so since lockdown i've just been doing this uh road live talk show which is kind of um if you've ever seen the old paul provenza show green room which used to be i think it was on hbo uh, you can find it on YouTube and stuff, but it's basically like four or five comics talking roundtable wise. And that's what this is. And so uh, the road live is every two weeks and I've had you know, Lydia lunch and David Yao from the Jesus lizard and 
Oh man, Eddie Pepitone and Brian Posehn and all these oh, people cool. on it. So yeah, th- that's been good. And I've been making custom action figures to make money and survive, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is a weird thing I just kind of stumbled into and has been saving my ass. So I've been doing that. What, what, what is that? Also. What is that like? Like, how is it? Man. Um, well, it's weird because I, I, there were some other comics that did it. And I was curious as to how they did it because I've always been a toy collector. Yeah, yeah. And, your house um, is a your house is a nerd palace, and I know yeah, you've, you've seen my place. That. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of pop culture stuff here, and I've I've always you know collected toys in waves. You know, I stop for a while and then I'll get back into it. But I've always liked that stuff, and um, yeah, there was another comic that was doing it. I was real curious about it, and I asked him basically to make me a toy for my friend for like a Christmas present. And the price he quoted me was high. And I said, well, okay, fine. And then he flaked off. And I was like, well, I'm just going to fucking make it myself. And so I just figured out my own process to make this thing. And so he, you know, my friend flipped out, thought it was awesome. And I made one or two others as gifts. And then through them sharing it on social media, people said, holy shit, how'd you do that? And I just started fucking around with it. I said, oh, maybe people are interested in this. And it spiraled real quick within like, let's say I was made those gifts around January or Christmas of last year. And by the end of February, I had made some for Pat Oswalt and Brian Pazane. Oh, that's really and, cool. Yeah, it just kind of, you know, I did one for Neil Gaiman's kid. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of spiraled real quick, word of mouth wise. And once COVID happened and I was locked down, I was like, I need something or I'm going to lose my mind. Something creative. And I didn't know how to paint or any of that shit. You know, so it was just a real dive in the, the deep end of the pool, not knowing what you're doing and figure it out. Yeah. It was probably real um, tedious type of um, like detailed thing, right? Th- well, it can be, but I what I do is kind of Frankenstein work. So I'll find, I, I like you know I'll hunt the dark web for weird old figures and stuff, and just kind of take the arm off this one and put it to the legs of this one and search for custom heads. And then, but now it's to the point where I did a fucking out of nowhere got invited to do a Stephen King themed gallery show in L.A shit holy shit yeah i was like what so that you know and the piece sold the first day (laughs) so that was nuts that was over the summer and so yeah now it's at the point where i'm actually i haven't announced this yet but i why not i'm gonna be doing a coffee table book of all the designs i've done this year for christmas god damn Um, come on man yeah (laughs) i know it's ridiculous or some shit (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous well people suggested it i'm like well fuck it i'm that guy you put it the bug in my ear if people are interested i'm like well that i could do that um i need projects man i I languish and you know i deal with clinical depression anyway so if i don't have stuff going on uh it's not good for my brain so i try to keep you know yeah i get i get real contemplative and that is not good for these times. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, we definitely talk a lot well, about mental health and shit, and it's so important, especially if you're on the road, or especially if you're used to being on the road and now you can't fucking be on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's a total. I mean, I, it's also though there, there has been a lot of good that's come out of this year in terms of like I I, I hadn't seen a therapist in seven years, you know, and so it got me back into that, and that's been game changer for me you know i've been seeing a therapist for the last month and um i mean you know one of the first people that took me out on the road was off with their heads and so you know ryan and i go go back and so we bonded over that and um yeah i mean it's it's not anything that i think anybody needs to be ashamed of or whatever but this year in terms of (laughs) i mean it, 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 it it's always just a 
you know, when, when you take away the, the travel aspect of when you tour for a living, uh, you know, I like to go out and then come home. And then when I'm home, I'm excited because I'm home. And then when I go out, I'm excited because I'm out. You know, mm. I think that's the appeal for a lot of us, that pendulum, I always call it. And when that just becomes Groundhog Day, it fucks you up. You know, it, it really, I, I said, you know, by August, I'm going, I feel like a feral coyote wandering its pen. You know, I really was fucking, it was not good. And yeah. um, when you start going, man, well, okay, let's say best case scenario, things open up again. Because remember when this happened in March, we're like, by June, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, worst case scenario by June. Dude, it's fucking November. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and it's like, uh, I think maybe by the spring, actually, Cincinnati's the first place that reached out for tour dates, a venue, Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Uh, reached out so that might be the first show I say yes to which is in March we're talking um, so I'm, I, maybe by then but even that that's fucking five six months from now so it's like if I start going well maybe in five months <laughs> you know that that makes me want to walk into the ocean I don't know about you guys it's I mean how have you been handling it as far as the day-to-day of you know life just stopping yeah I think the whole trying to keep busy thing like I started biking a lot oh yeah yeah uh, which was good, and then yeah, just trying to keep busy on different projects, like working on music, and yeah, just hoping things are gonna get back to normal. Yeah. Reading a lot, I've read a lot of books during the pandemic. That's pretty cool, I guess. Man, I've been wanting to do that because every summer, summer is slow time for comedy because people are outside at the lake and shit, right? So the comedy clubs yeah. get slower. So I don't tour as much in the summer. So that's when I like read. That's what I love to do. And I've had all the time in the world. It's like that Twilight Zone episode where Burgess Meredith steps on his glasses at the end of the world. <laughs> he has all the books. <laughs> all he wants to do is read and he steps on his fucking glasses. <laughs> That's how I felt with this because it's been like, I have all the time. I have a stack of like 20 books I've been dying to read. And because of my depression, I have no interest. I just had, had no interest in doing any of it. And so, yeah, man, the toys has just been like, it's a creative different outlet that feels very completely out of the realm of anything I would have started doing had this not happened. Um, but it's been cool. And now it feels like something that I'll keep doing, you know? So it's, yeah, you're doing exactly know. what them fucking coal miners should be doing. Just yeah. Fucking- motherfuckers, <laughs> pivot. That's it. Put down the pickaxe, start art. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the money is. <laughs> Listen to your guidance counselor. Fucking you want to go be a fucking painter. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then they all like come back with like really racist art, and we're like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> hey, they'd sell a shit ton of it right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What is it? What is this? It's finger paints of uh, the Illuminati having children under a fucking rat themed pizza joint. Oh, a million dollars, hands a check. Uh, dude, speaking of which, man, I don't know, I don't know how much you've seen it of my Instagram, but like I have completely gone from the touring guy to the vintage guy for like clothing and t-shirts. Dude, I could totally see that. I I I am I regret to say as an old man, I was bull- I was bullied under getting onto Instagram a few months ago and it's yeah. only finally now that I've uh embraced it. So I will find you tonight. Oh, and you know you. what? That's that cuz like when Harmon asked who you are, I tried to find your Instagram. I'm like I said you said JT, I said which JT. Yeah, that's fair. No, I know. I was like I was like this guy, like you might have met him and I was like trying to find your Instagram and it's like yeah toy instagram what it's just under custom toys yeah because yeah, i had yeah. an altercation man you know how it is because like with comedy when i got signed to stand-up records they're like all right give us your twitter handle we'll start blasting it out and i was like uh i'm making a new one i didn't have a fucking twitter <laughs> handle 
because I find that stuff back then especially annoying. And it was a, mm. you know, I, I got into this kind of left to center career because I didn't want to keep up with all that trendy bullshit. Uh, but it's it's crucial now, you know. I yeah. mean, it's like I, I've got the toy group and the Facebook thing where I put the toys on first. You know, well over a thousand people on there, and it's like, you know, Instagram is a visual medium. Like, if, why don't you have the toys on there, you idiot? Uh, so that's what I, you know, I have <laughs> friends say to me that I'm like, yeah, you're right, and and now I have no excuse because I'm home. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but I I don't know. For a while with social media, I was resentful of it because it felt like something I had to babysit, and I didn't like it. But, uh, you know, evolve or die, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you want to be in, I see all the time, a lot of my friends are comics that, you know, are somewhat political and, and they'll be like, I'm getting off Facebook because it's complicit. And I'm just like, you can't. <laughs> you, you, you're, I mean, you can, but then you're, then also say goodbye to your comedy because like you, you need that outlet to communicate with people. You just have to be on it. Like that's how my, my feelings anyway. So, uh, but no, I you, definitely agree with that. I draw yeah, the line ha- TikTok, though. I'm never fucking getting TikTok. Well, that's because no, we're TikTok. adults. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's I toured, I toured this guy, Eddie Pepitone, right now, and and he was like, I just joined TikTok, and I said, You're dead to me unless you cancel that. <laughs> Kyle Kinane got on it too, and I roasted him mercilessly. I'm like, You fucking are you a 14 year old? Like, are you gonna wear Ugg boots this? winter season get the fuck out of here that is like short attention span theater for people that video themselves dancing like shut up Dude. so um you know that that to me is is ridiculous yeah. <laughs> but um having multiple instagram accounts though too was something i couldn't deal with so i just defaulted to the comedy one i'm like if people want to find me they'll find me yeah you can have a <laughs> and i could see that being rough to be like this is the podcast one this is the toy exactly the it becomes fucking yeah you become a, a psychopathic a psychopath uh, octopus at a certain point where just yeah. too much shit you know dude um last time i saw you was in new orleans and you were touring with eddie pepitone yeah dragon's den that man i i I knew who he was. I'm a fan of Harmontown, Dan Harmon's podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. He was on that. And uh, I mean, I was stoked to see you regardless, but like, holy shit, I was so like, so He's happy. a goddamn genius. Man. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was his first ever New Orleans show. Um, Not surprising, you know. Yeah, it's it's been wild because Eddie and I connected about two years ago. I run a comedy festival in Austin called the Altercation Comedy Festival. And Eddie was one of the headliners two years ago. We just immediately hit it off because uh, he lives in L.A. for the last 20, 30 years, but he's from New York originally. So we just really, yeah, I don't know, we just really hit it off. And um, I've always loved his comedy. And last summer, he just called me out of the blue and said, hey, I like the tour shit you've been doing. Do you want to team up? And I said, yeah, because he had only done you know, major market like Chicago, New York. He, he's on so many TV shows and stuff that he just works out of LA, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, yeah, motherfucker, let's go. And he was like, how about in two weeks? I was like, dude, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I, I was like on vacation, like drunk in my <laughs> swim trunks out in Cape Cod. And he's like, let's start in two weeks. I'm like, you're out of your mind. He's like, I don't know how it works. I'm like, all right, let, it's <laughs> August now. If I bust my ball starting this minute, maybe like October, November, December. And that's what we did. You know, I just, the, I dropped the phone and immediately started booking. And we did the whole East Coast in October. And then November into December, we did uh, that run of, you know, kind of Southwest up to, all the way up to Tulsa and Wichita, Kansas and the snow and all that sort of shit. So but it was, you know, one-nighters is what I do, man. I, I do club work now and again. 
uh, where, you know, typical comedy thing is you go in Thursday, do a show Thursday, do two Friday, two Saturday, fly home from the strip mall, wherever you are. <laughs> and, you know, that can, you can pay, you get paid pretty decent on those things. And they're, they're not bad because people are coming there to see comedy, but it felt a little bit like a, a punch the clock to me. So I always like the one nighter, you know. Yeah band model of you're here and here and here and also it mixes it up you're in a comedy club one night you're in a rock club the next night you're you know because the dragon's den they do comedy there all the time but it's not a comedy club by any stretch no you know? no no very much not yeah and <laughs> uh and that show was you know we fucking it was sold out the door you know was, so the, the shows were really exciting in terms of people uh either familiar with me or familiar with Eddie and that those two worlds kind of combining. So that was really cool in terms of the, the fans and stuff. Is, is and, he Brad to be a, is he a good road dog? Dude, he's the best. I was a little worried cause he's like you he's know, 61. Yeah. He's 61 and he hadn't done it. And so I really was treating him with kid gloves as far as the drives, you know, I made it no longer than three, four hours at most in between shows if I could help it. And if we had to go longer than that, I, I, we'd have a day off, you know, and, um, no crashing with friends on this tour it was, you know, we get hotels and shit. It's, it's, um, and, but now what's funny is after the last run, we did a bunch of touring in February out in California and stuff. But after the, the November one, I said, all right, I'm going to leave you alone for two weeks. And then I messaged him in two weeks and I said, all right, either you're a life for now, or you're never going to want to do that shit again. And he was like, let's go tomorrow. He's just, you know, <laughs> you know, he just, once you have a taste for that, you know, adventure thing and just the different city every night thing. It's, you know, it, I don't have to tell you guys it's, it's, it's a, it's a big drug. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, so, we were supposed to headline so many festivals and shit this year. It's been a real kick in the nuts. Um, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody says, Oh, I was supposed to do so much this year. 2020 is the first year I ever got like industry shit saying destined to break out this year. Like any sort of that sort of heat and man, just to see those gates, fucking come crashing down it's been like uh, yeah <laughs> I, it's but it's also been you know like i was alluding to a little bit earlier real hard growth but mm-hmm. i th- i'm a different person already from it um but learning a whole lot about myself and man it's it's uh, when life does return i'm going to be better for it i think and i think everybody uh that's been doing their best to in a creative field is going to be kind of the same. I think this is either going to beat you down and you're going to quit or you're going to come out of this with fucking knives in your eyes. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean, I don't mean that in a malicious way. I mean that in a get the, don't fuck with me, man. You know, like I, I am going, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause I made it through this boot camp of life. <laughs> but yeah, we, yeah. Hey, also, guys, feel free to interject at any point. Don't let me, I tend to get on these rants. So, <laughs> no, no, dude, you're killing it. It's great. No, it's very, it's very entertaining. I, I planned to like, I was like, I'm gonna smoke a little bit of weed before we do this, and it ended up being way stronger than I thought. So, I'm just enjoying listening to you talk. So, I, I, uh, I've been, it's funny. I've always loved weed, but it, it took this pandemic for me to consider it ever medicinal. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it, for sure. And it's been the one thing that I'm like, I fucking need it to to survive right now. And so, I, I haven't smoked it all before this because i want to stay sharp but after this i'm immediately going to that so <laughs> no dude it, 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 we're, we're really loving having you on um no thanks for having me man keep rolling instead of counting in because i think there's you know the whole harmon's too high to talk thing is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah actually when you hit me up last time dante too last week uh i was i was 
blasted. We were, we were, uh, <laughs> Where were you? I, you? You were in the. I was. I was at Doug Stanhope's house. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was helping a friend of mine move across country, and uh, we both are old friends of Doug's, and so we stopped into Bisbee, Arizona, for two days. Just, and uh, yeah, you were like, "Can you hop on tonight?" I was like, "No, <laughs> I, <didn't fucking, laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I am already drunk, and this is going to be a long." Yeah, no, I would not trust myself to talk to the public. Well, we're, <laughs> we're glad to have you now. This is fucking awesome, man. I yeah, man, thanks you. so much. I would love to fucking hang out with you soon. Like, Same, man. It's been I, I, you know, Ryan from off of their heads was we were, you know, texting a, a, about a month ago, and he was like, "Man, I might just come down to Texas for." a little bit to get away. I was like, man, fucking come for a weekend or something over the winter, you know, oh, yeah. uh, just, you know, it, 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 we have room <laughs> and it's yeah. really just about, you know, everybody being safe in the interim and with this fucking flu plus COVID shit, it's, it's daunting, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be a weird, weird winter. Dark. Yeah. I, you're, you're in new Orleans still right now. Yeah. I'm in new Orleans. Um, I actually well, was in Texas. Uh-huh. Orlando, cool. Yeah, I did Space Bar in Orlando once. That was a really cool venue. And uh, oh, yeah. Will's, Will's Pub. Oh, Will's, Will's Pub's Pub my favorite venue. Yeah, really fun. I did a tour with uh, Larry Fulford, who's a comic out of there and uh, a really good dude. A while back, but yeah, I like Florida. Actually, <laughs> my new special is called Swamp Beast because I plan to tape it in Florida, and it has a lot of shitting on Florida in a fun way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I-, I love shitting on. Florida, especially like, I don't know if you guys have the pictures. Orlando looked like a hollow. And it was oh, like, God. yeah, the main street in downtown Orlando was entirely filled with people like apples, Elvis. I was not there, yeah. but I saw it. Yeah. But yeah, sounds about right for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I it is that place, but it's also whenever I go there, man, I, I have good shows, so I can't trash it. I, it's and I, it's you know, there's alligators and shit, so it's interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was there I don't know, maybe one or two fests ago, and a guy I was on tour with had never seen an alligator in real life. And we were hanging with Bill from the Belltones. He was living there, and he's like, "Well, let's fucking go." And so we were like, "What?" He's like, just walk into the woods, and there was an alligator. <laughs> like, let's let's go to this bayou swamp that's across the street, and uh, there's one yeah, right Florida. there. Like, what the? Sh-? Yeah, man. <laughs> Louis so. technically has more alligators than Florida. Just one. Really? That. Yeah, it is actually true. Um, yeah, but are you counting all the based uh, on what? The, that's based on the heads in Bourbon Street stores <laughs> or, yeah. or live ones. <laughs> no, no. I, I, from what I understand, like the the thing that like the reason Florida gets like such a such a big alligator like thing um, is because of the Everglades, and I believe that's the only place where there's crocodiles and alligators coexisting in North yeah. America. Well, Whereas well, we just have alligators. Florida's done a great job at, at commercializing alligators. They, they, you know, yeah. every t-shirt has an alligator with sunglasses on it. So maybe if you put more alligators showing their tits with beads on, <laughs> you drink in a hurricane. I, I would know. like I would like to interject is I feel like New Orleans let's go to have gators. <laughs> New fair. Orleans has what? Jazz. Jazz. Oh. oh, you're cutting out or something's weird with your phone. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, now? You, you sounded you sounded like a, a quadrophysicist in a wheelchair for a minute. Oh, well, that's okay. sometimes. Okay. <laughs> um, JT, I want to hear some fucking. It doesn't have to be necessarily horror stories, hor- horror stories <laughs> of like the worst, the worst times on tour. But for some reason, that always is the thing with our podcast of like it's just sure. more entertaining to talk about the worst shit. But like, just, oh, absolutely, just some crazy shit from the road you know um well my 
my <laughs> my last special, which is called Misanthrope on Santa Records, I, I can't do the whole thing because it's a twenty minute story. But yeah, I played I, this. I've heard it, but yeah, <laughs> but it's a I bit. did. The, <laughs> no, I did. Uh, feel free. I, I, I mean, the, the the short version is we did a place called Grants Pass, Oregon, back in the early days. And basically got ran out of town by a Misfits cover band. So that was wild. Like the, <laughs> Wasn't it Christian uh, Misfits cover band? Yes. Born yeah. Again Christian Libertarian Misfits cover band. Oh, uh, That's a thing? It was like, apparently it was. Yeah, fueled on meth and hate. And so uh, it was like a costume contest and our opening act tour guy insulted the lead singer's girlfriend. And we, lit- we literally had a run out of town. So I never had that like kind of Dukes of Hazard shit before. Um, especially when they're all wearing <laughs> Jerry only makeup, it was fucking bizarre, man. Um, but I, I did a show, which is in my book. It, we did the Sunset Strip in LA, and it was like this fucking. You know, when you walk into a venue and you immediately go, "This is never gonna work." <laughs> yeah. like, yep. It was one of those. It was like this hair met. Like the, the drummer from Poison was literally there, and like all the uh, it was big booths with like clamshells were the backing thing for them and just like it was just like tables made of cocaine and like <laughs> i have never been to a show where i walked in I'm like where's the stage they're like oh it's near the back pull the book i said pull the book and you fucking go to the back and it was like a fucking what are the the like an uh, escape room you walk to the back by the urinals and you pull a book out of the wall and it's it's like a secret room and i was like how are people supposed to find this fucking show it was like <laughs> like you know, like in 902 and O would do like a raver episode where they're like, you need to bring an egg to this guy at the gas station. He'll tell you where the hip venue is. It's like, what the fuck? You're hiding the venue? And so <laughs> it was so bad in terms of like, I'm like, no one's going to find this. And then it was like 20 bucks to get in if you found your way there. I'm like, this is fucking LA, man. And so um, I, I had a sense of dread and there was a comic... I was touring with Mishka Shibali, who's a really great musician and author. And uh, we were touring together. And there was a, a well-known comic that showed up that night to do a guest set. And I wanted to like do well with him. And also, by this point, I had been co-headlining the comedy at Punk Rock Bowling Fest in Vegas for a few years with Joe Sib. And uh, we booked it every year. And you know, Punk Rock Bowling, if you're unfamiliar, is booked by the guys from Youth Brigade, right? The Stern Brothers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And every show we did at Punk Rock Bowling for like the last few years had been sold the fuck out. I mean, we did the Plaza with Joe, myself, and Kakanane, and it was like 800 people, right? During like at 5 p.m. And, and every time the Stern Brothers showed up 10 minutes after the show and said, so was it okay? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm not sure if comedy works here. I'm like, motherfucker, is it, was it okay? There were 800 people. I like, look forward line. to this every fucking year. I- like, dude. I was like, they just, they just don't know. They're not comedy yeah. guys. You know, it's why they let us book the comedy stuff because they're just not in that world, which I love the Stearns. You know, Mark's a good friend. Totally. But, um, but they had never seen me. And so this was the show that Mark Stern finally caught. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I'm going, I saw him arrive. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And like, you know, some other people who worked at Side One Dummy and some other people from bands and stuff. And then this other comic that I like, who I don't want to name, showed up to do a guest set. I'm like, this is going to be such a bad show. And it was, it was just awful. It was just, Damn. it was awful. Like I was eating shit. The material wasn't working at all. The, the guy who booked it was this shady dude who just ran away with the money. 
um, I got heckled by the bartender. I said, you know, I, I was resorting to hacky shit, like, give it up for the bartender. And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm doing much better than you are. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> so it, like it, instantly I was like, well, don't tip her ever. You, how dare you? Like it just instantly was fighting the staff. And mm-hmm. man, it was one of those shows where you just want to quit. You know, it's just like I left that stage and I was like, I never want to do this again. Yeah. I want to take all these T-shirts that I have for sale and burn them in effigy. <laughs> <laughs> and and, you know, the next show we did the next night was fine and good. But, it, but it's the type of thing, in a, in a way, it was great because it was a classic Sunset Strip story of just like, you know, yeah, I got my ass handed to me. Like the, you get off the bus in the Guns N' Roses video and suddenly you, you're going back to Omaha as a broken whore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just yeah, how man. I felt, man. I felt like I got the in and out by L.A. That's, you know, we always say when we have a bad day on tour, you know, the best thing about today is that it's over and tomorrow's another day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I did Hattiesburg, Mississippi one time with uh, Jay Shanoin, who's a brilliant comic out of New Hampshire. Also has an album out on Standard Records. It's really, really good. Um, And we we were doing this giant venue for some reason. It was like an airport. You know, it was like, it used to be like a, like a, hangar for the fucking national guard or something and we get there and the show is us with like two local comics and the place literally could hold like 900 people you know and i'm going what the who booked this what is happening and they had like 50 seats up front around tables but we get there they start they're setting up drums and i'm like you guys know we don't need drums right (laughs) and they're like uh they're like well there's a band after you i was like oh okay who's that like, oh, this week is like Roll Tide week or some shit. It was some like homecoming weekend thing. Huh. And it was a Bon Jovi cover band. <laughs> that was apparently the biggest thing in Hattiesburg, Mississippi every year. And, uh, and so they put ramps up like it was a full hair metal stage. It was like an Ozka stage, right? They had a person whose job was to vacuum the carpets on this fucking ramp. So the lead singer, who's not Bon Jovi, could, could run up and sing Live, Living on a Prayer. And so uh, we made the most of it. I said, okay, we're getting ready to start. And there was like 20, 30 people there to see us, which I was amazed. Yeah. And I said, all right, to the production guys, like, any notes? I was like, as soon as my buddy comes out, you are to hit the smoke machine for as long as it will go. I'm like, we're using every piece of production. And I said, and so my friend goes running out there and instantly he's clouded, obscured by smoke. And he's like, what the fuck? But he rolled with, he thought it was hilarious. And we're just going full spinal tap. And, <laughs> and I said, I'm going to end on this bit. When I start talking about this, I'm going into my closer and I want you to use all of the strobe lights. thank god there was no epileptics there because as soon as it starts going the fucking the house lights are dim anyway and suddenly i'm just bathed in strobe lights like a fucking carrot top show or something just doing material and running up this ramp and people are like what is going on (laughs) what performance (laughs) are in rural mississippi is this and we just thought it was hysterical and we got off stage going we're never getting paid for this show uh, but the promoter was kind enough uh, that he paid us. <laughs> and then they opened the doors for the band. And I-, I swear to God, it was like the running of the bulls, but with sorority girls. It was like all these girls in short dresses and high heels went scream running to the stage to see these guys in headbands and fake hair. Uh, 
And it was just, it was a momentous thing. And then we had to walk out <laughs> to our Honda Fit uh, and walk past the dudes who had gotten kicked out of Homecoming Weekend who weren't allowed in the show drinking beer in their trucks. And I thought we were going to get murdered. <laughs> it was, it was, it was my buddy, my opening guy was wearing like red leather pants. <laughs> and they had heard us from the stage there right outside. You know, were you the ones who said, what, are you ready to rock shit kickers? Was that you too? <laughs> like, <we're> like <laughs> maybe. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a real bad one. And I haven't gone back to Mississippi at all since. Um, but you know, if you survive any of those, man, some shows are just not fun. You know, but there's yeah. not really a good story there. I've certainly done comedy club shows where I'm like, yeah, well, that could have been a lot more fun. But well, here's this check. All right, goodbye. <laughs> what's um, um, you know. like? What's uh, I, I want? You mentioned the bartender heckled you. That was kind of one something yeah. I wanted to talk about. Like, what? I don't know. Like, what's your go-to for combating it, or are you just kind of well? You know? I mean, I get asked a lot about hecklers and stuff. I mean, that particular thing. I think that's Shakespearean level betrayal. If you work for the venue and you're fucking with the show. I will verbally stick a dagger in you and, and <laughs> use you as a warning to others because you're fu- we're supposed to be on the same team. Uh, oh, that, that real quick. I, I've, I've always wanted to say this on this podcast. I, I'm just remembering it. Um, yes. I don't want to name the venue because it's like a really cool venue in this town that doesn't have like <laughs> a lot of shows. So like they're doing cool things. But for some reason, the, the, the bar thought it'd be a good idea to give the bartenders a pretty much a mic into the pa oh what a great idea and so like we, i would pairs was doing the show i won't even say who like we were touring with but like yeah it was this thing about like you know in between songs the bartenders would like not heckle but like give it up <laughs> oh, wait, like, oh my god are you kidding? like fucking hype man it that's the worst idea i've ever yeah. heard in my life yeah it was such a it was just such a fucking bummer and it's just like wow they they also like for insurance reasons were like no moshing no fucking moshing if there's sure. a bit of moshing we're kicking you out and it was like a sold out show was, yeah that was that was a weird thing and it, like who's who thought this was a good idea so, well Dante like, may, maybe don't book Coyote Ugly so much maybe uh, <laughs> I I know uh, I know your singers tend to go shirtless but maybe not maybe not have uh, <laughs> maybe not have Zach dancing on the bar but he will I know um, he will. Go ahead. What are you going to say about um, heckling and the Shakespearean of the... Um, well, just, you know, if you're working for the venue and you're fucking with the show, then then I'll, I'll go after you hard. But generally, I don't get a lot of hecklers because most of the time, and from I, I'm a comedy fan, so I'll often go see comedy. Um, and oftentimes hecklers are, I think, invited by the performer. Either they're doing, you know, that, what do you do for work, sir? Or they're kind of doing crowd work shit. And so I've always gone up, I do a lot of story-based stuff. So I've always gone up with kind of longer more you know get up there have something to say and then get off ramones type of vibe right Mm -hmm. and so the only time i'll engage is if somebody's yelling and disrupting the show um i did a show in albuquerque one time at this like whiskey bar uh whiskey bar cigar shop right like high-end whiskey and shit and this dude came walking in in the middle of the show in like a hugh hefner smoking jacket and like scrooge mcduck and I was like, and he just came in. He's like, I don't like this. Like yelling. He's like standing, walking into a seated show. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and he's like, I work here. I'm like, no, you don't. You know? <laughs> so the staff had him escorted out and long, boring story short, he was like a cigar salesman who that was one of his clients or something. So he's like, I work here means that he has business dealings with them. And by the end of the night, I had never seen this before or since the general manager punched him in the stomach. 
shit. It was like, I warned you, Gus. And I'm like, that's how Houdini died. I fucking like, what the fuck? It was, it was wild. So, um, but then it was like, we had to load into our car and hide because he was wandering the streets like a bruised fucking zombie going, I need to apologize to you because he started like sobering up and realized getting punched by the client is not a good sign of future business. Yeah, holy fuck. So, but yeah. ge- generally, though, I, I you know I don't really have a lot of problems with hecklers fucking knock on table because uh, I, I get up there and I don't really give them room to wiggle. You know, the the main thing that I have, which I see with like Kanane a lot of the times too, is you have uh, and Posein, you you have helpful helpers <laughs> where they're so excited that they want to yell yay or I'll mention like the dead boys and they'll be like fuck yeah fucking meat in the mouth it's like yes correct thank you you know that yep. you, you know All what right. I mean you, you just need to kind of bounce off that pivot because you don't want to upset that guy that guy's like so excited right you don't want to put it is the helpy helpers the helpy helpers <laughs> is what I call them because because they, they, they they're thinking they're helping but they're usually just a little drunk and just a little excited and you don't want to be mad at them. But if they get to be a problem, you have to give them a stern talking to sometimes, which is a bummer. But it's just, you know, yeah. ultimately, I feel like the venue and the promoters have equal responsibility as the comic on stage when it comes to heckling. You know, you need to have somebody to say, tap that person on the shoulder and say, hey, shut the fuck up or you got to go, you know. Yeah. Um, and it can be me drawing attention to it by saying, OK, buddy, cool. How, who, you know, who likes kamikazes? This guy, finger guns. Uh, and that's basically, <laughs> that's basically me you know, cueing the venue like, hey, fucking tell this guy to knock it off or, or yeah. I'm going to have to embarrass him and then it's going to become a thing, you know? Um, I mean... I bet you take a room full of hecklers right now if it meant, like, <laughs> normal thing. Well, you know, what's weird, man, is I definitely miss comedy, but also I, I, I didn't realize before this how much the rest of the touring is as equally important to me. It's like the travel and all that is what I miss the most, honestly. You know, yeah. I miss doing comedy, I miss doing the job, but things don't feel funny right now. So it's a weird time to be like, I can't, everybody's like, how much material are you writing at all this time? I'm like, nothing. It's a fucking, it's a hellscape out there. Have you looked out your windows? <laughs> like this, I don't see much funny right now. Um, JT, we hate to cut you short, but we are running out of time. No, um, man. Thanks so much for having me. I, I tend to ramble yeah, a lot. Yeah. So uh, no, no, dude, wrote me in. we'll have you back. Cause there's just like, we could, this is so awesome. You know? Yeah, man. Over the I'm winter, any, anytime. Anytime. You know? <laughs> Um, anytime but one weekend in march i'm around (laughs) Uh, what would you like to to plug of the many things that you do uh the main things right now i would say are if you go to the road live with jt.com uh that's the website for the the live shows that i've been doing the kind of they're they're live streams only uh they're an hour conversation if you get vip tickets for it each one's also a partial benefit for either usually mental health stuff or animals and um the vip for that includes a meet and greet with all the people on each show and so for november friday the 13th we have doug stanhope's going to be on it and the lizard man from the jim rose sideshow is going to be on that one and uh yeah we had uh two weeks ago we had raymond pettibon on and stuff so it's, it's just been really cool um yeah. so the red yeah. live with jt.com for that and um on uh instagram at JT Custom Toys is the best way to find me for the toy shit I've been doing. And I just finished a week of uh, John Carpenter themed toys where I made like a dozen different figures. Oh, that's fucking so, rad. Thanks, man. I, I was so pissed off because I, I finally finished. I did a, a They Live six inch playset of the fight where 
Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, dude, I'm a huge yeah. wrestling fan, and thus I love they. Well, they live just I, awesome, I, but it's also cool that Roddy yeah. Piper's in it. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'll I'll text you guys some photos of this. And I I was the last one that was the big finale, and I I did the art too small, <laughs> <laughs> so I I went to package it today and show it off. Like, god damn it! So I'll, I'll send you guys some texts of some art. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the at JT Custom Stan, uh, JT Custom Toys on Instagram and at, tw- at Twitter is just at JT uh, stand up. All right. Well, Talk thank you, you for doing this. And uh, I'll shout out our socials if I'm not too high to say this, but that's at Torpass podcast <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us Torpass podcast at gmail.com. Or as always, if you have the anchor app, you can send us a voice message. I think I got that right. JT, thank you. Great job. Thank you so much, JT. This has been fucking awesome, man. I man. miss you. I hope you're well. Yeah, I miss you too, buddy. I, I, I hope, uh, you know, maybe uh, over the winter, if things are, are somewhat normal, you are all about to uh, see you in New Orleans or something, or if you can get out here, you know, we'll do yeah. a, a weekend hang or something. Nolans, so. he calls I'm it. Nolans, 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 he calls it. No one calls it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, fucking, if you're hearing this, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, fucking... Trump's not the president anymore, and um, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. And if he is, you're all dead. So. <laughs> We're all fucking dead. <laughs> so it's it's, it's like anyway. that Terminator Two done. scene where she's looking at the playground and grabs the fence. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll see you next week. Right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, JT. Thank, thanks so much, guys. All right, later.